Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jan Vertonghen with a thumping forward. And he wakes right at the last. Lamella! Steering by Alderweireld. And he saved it. Hugo Lloris. The Tottenham captain delivers what his team really needed it. Ericsson just in brilliant. That is absolutely stunning from Christian Ericsson. Gabriele to finish Arsenal off. No song. And then he's in. Oh, it's gone. From Jorginho and David Luiz. Oh, that's outstanding. Jorginho. Gets it back to Ndombele. How's that for making your mark on your debut? Since the days of Hoggle and Ardiles. And maybe the best of all time. Wraps it up to Outstanding performance from Lucas Moore. It's another Derby Day goal for Harry Kane and Tottenham. Come up the hour. Come up the man for Tottenham. Is Lucas Moore up? Oh, they done it! I cannot believe it! Tottenham Hotspur heading to the Champions League final. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur! Hello and welcome to a very special edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Delighted to be joined by Jason McGovern. Jace, how are you? Really looking forward to the next hour or so with uh, with a real club legend, that's for sure. Definitely. Now, we're delighted to be joined by Royalty on The Last Word on Spurs here. Pleased to welcome Tottenham Hotspur legend Clive Allen to the show. Clive, how are you keeping? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, good to uh, speak to you, Ricky and Jason. Looking forward to this. It's fair to say, Clive, you have been very, very busy because you've got your new book out up front. How's it been so far, Clive? Yeah, it's been fabulous. Um, it's been well received. I've really enjoyed, um, you know, putting putting pen to paper in terms of uh, not only my my football career, my playing career, but just the, the way of life that football's been for me. So from uh, being born into a footballing family and, um, you know, everything that's happened um, connected with football all the way throughout my life to the current day. The finale presentation, Clive. How much did you enjoy being part of such a, a special day in Tottenham's history? 
Well, it was quite unbelievable. Obviously, um, we, we the new stadium was underway in terms of being built at um, the Paxton Road end. And, um, you know, we'd seen that growing. But um, it was, uh, I, I thought it was the most spectacular day that the, 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 the send-off was fitting in, in the, way that, the way that it happened, the game, the victory. And then, obviously, the, uh, the ceremony at the end, which was absolutely superb. Um, and so proud to be part of it. First one called out onto, you know, onto the hallowed turf um, and uh, um, uh, a day I'll never forget. And you talk of the pride of the day, you've been alongside your cousin Paul and, and obviously to the older generation of fans, your dad. But, but some of those fans will be a little bit sad that the, the father-son relationship has been a bit strained. Uh, yeah, we've had uh, some difficult times. Obviously, um, you know, Dad. Dad was an inspirational person for me growing up in terms of the advice that he gave me, the help that he gave me as a, a young player trying to uh, to make my way in the game. Um, obviously, not always easy because you know I had to live up to to live up to him and what he'd done and so so well, um, in particular at Spurs, but. Um, it was a it was quite an emotional emotional uh, day because of being out on uh, on that White Hart Lane pitch and just turning to him and saying you know it's not bad is it and he said it it would have been uh, it would have been something and obviously all the memories that were coming back for him as well was quite something. Clive, you also mentioned that your dad was t- quite tough on you as a kid and always pushing you to do more, always telling you to improve. Is that what really kind of pushed you on to be the player that you was at Tottenham? Yeah, without a doubt. I think that, um, you know, Dad come up under the great Bill Nicholson. I think he had a massive influence on him in terms of um, what what was needed, how to, how to try to be successful, that desire and determination to work hard. And that was something that he instilled in me. And you actually started wearing the, the Spurs kit and you made your White Hart Lane debut at the age of just 14. What, what was that all about? Yeah, quite incredible night. Monday night, London schools were playing Bristol schools. A, a young Gary Mabbott was playing for Bristol schools that night with his brother, Kevin, against us. Uh, myself, Mark Falco, were both representing London schools. And the game was at, uh, at White Hart Lane, the first time I had the opportunity to play there. Bristol turned up with the same colour kit. So we wore Spurs youth kit, the famous white with a blue cockerel on the, on the chest. That was the first time I wore the, the Tottenham kit. And I, I was... I managed to score a hat trick on that night. Something quite, uh, quite unbelievable, really. Um, I'll never ever forget it. That that fellow Mabbott can't have been a very good player then that night. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. He, uh, he he played in midfield then, so he, he'd say that it wasn't because he he was uh, he was a poor player. But um, he was he was a, a year younger than Mark, Mark Falco and myself. But um, obviously, came to do great things at the club in in, in later on in his career. When the chance of becoming an apprentice came up, Clive, you had a choice of a few clubs, including Tottenham. So how come you didn't end up choosing QPR out of interest? Well, I think it was because, obviously, again, my dad's connection, having been uh, a player at QPR, manager. Um, I actually grew up at QPR. I used to go as a five, six-year-old. My grandfather used to take me to watch my father play. Um, it was like a second home to me, I have to say. And the opportunity to to start my career there, to learn my trade there, was 
was one that um, you know, having obviously my dad with it with his with his knowledge of the game as well. It was an aging team at Queens Park Rangers at the time, and if things went well, he, he said, you know, you're going to have a chance if you if you do well enough, you work hard enough, you could well get a chance at an early age, which is exactly what happened. I got a debut at 17 at Queens Park Rangers. Had I gone to to Spurs, that might not have happened. So um, that was one of the reasons why I obviously I, I opted for Queens Park Rangers. Relegation with QPR came in your first season, but then the second division football gave you plenty of playing time. And with 34 goals and just 55 appearances with QPR, you became a million pound player moving to that lot from south of the river. Why them, Clive? Why them? Well, it was uh, obviously I'd had a fantastic first season. Um, I, I mean, owing to me, Spurs had been watching me all that season as well. And I think my dad was was thinking that it might well be Tottenham that, that come and tried to buy me from QPR. But it was Arsenal. I went there in May 1980. Um, the first million pound transfer for a teenager, something quite extraordinary at the time. Um, and 63 days later, they decided that um, they didn't want to keep me. They needed Kenny Sanson from Crystal Palace. So they traded me for Kenny. So... I was uh, I was Arsenal player for 63 days. I played two and a half preseason games, um, and um, I was I was I was now a Crystal Palace player. So it was quite quite incredible. What went on in those 62? I mean, it seems it seems quite bizarre that such a high profile transfer can can just come to an end. And and how 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 difficult is that psychologically to adjust to? Well, I was 18. I was young. I just wanted to play. It was it was through obviously the summer the summer break. So I went away on holiday, did my my preseason training with Arsenal, um, went away and played a couple of games in Scotland preseason. Then the weekend before the season started, played in Belgrade, ironically in the stadium where Spurs won last week in the Champions League. So that was the first time I'd been back there since that 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 game in 1980. Um, Did but, you do that tunnel walk even then? Sorry. Was was that tunnel <laughs> yeah. the same even then? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was quite an intimidating place even then as it is now. But obviously the lads did fantastically well last week and the result and the performance they put in. But yeah, so I, I returned to London to find that um, Crystal Palace wanted me. Arsenal wanted Kenny Sanson. The only way the deal could be done was if they swapped us. And uh, that's what happened. So um, as I say, I, I was... The first game of the season for Crystal Palace was at the Champions Liverpool Anfield. Uh, not an e- not an easy baptism as a Crystal Palace player. It's bizarre transfer, that's for sure. And then whilst he was at Palace, years before VAR was even thought of, came out came an, inf- an infamous incident that that actually changed the fortunes of yourself and Palace all in the same time. Yeah, we had a game against Coventry. I scored. Um, I scored, a, a, even if I say it myself, a magnificent free kick, which hit the, the iron stanchion behind at the back of the goal and ricocheted back into play. Um, and it was hooked away and the referee decided that it hit the post and we should play on. Um, those, stanchions, those stanchions were then removed from the goal. So I've played a part in a little bit of history that they disappeared from the backs of the goals and goals were then um, uh, uh, strung up rather than with, with the iron bars. Um, but we, we then went on a terrible run of form and were relegated um, very early in that season, unfortunately. You did, of course, reach the cup final whilst at QPR, Clive. And of course, it was Tottenham in the final. But a final you look back on with no real joy. Tell us about that. 
No, it was uh, it was it was fantastic to get to the FA Cup final. Boyhood dream, obviously. Um, turned twenty one on the Thursday, two days before the cup final against Tottenham at Wembley. Um, but unfortunately, in the fifth minute, I I, I ruptured the um, the the capsule in my ankle, um, and really was a passenger from then on in. I tried to carry on into the first few minutes of the second half, but then after had to come off. My my leg was put in plaster, and I obviously missed the rest of that game and and the subsequent replay. Um, a very very close FA Cup, but one in which obviously Tottenham were was successful again. It was um it was it was their trophy at that time. They were the they they were the, they were the kings of the FA Cup at that period. And, and you know it was strange for me because I can, obviously I can remember the final, but I I totally forgotten that QPR were the division below Tottenham at the time. So you know it must have been quite a run for QPR to get to that final. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we had a we. Uh, ironically, I scored the winner against um, Crystal Palace in the quarterfinal. So, um, having had a, di- a difficult season at, at Crystal Palace, and then um, scored the winner against West Brom in the semi-final, and that was at Highbury. So that was uh, almost payback for, for for Arsenal and taking QPR to their first ever FA Cup final, and and then it was against uh, you know the mighty Spurs in in, in 1982. Um, a difficult. We knew, always knew it was going to be a difficult game, but it was it was a QPR team that were that was certainly emerging and, and a club that was growing. And uh, to be in an FA Cup final was something very special. And, and that that win against Palace, I was astonished when I read it. You gave it a bit of an Adi Bayor style celebration in that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. It was uh, it was the craziest celebration I, I ever I ever undertook in my career. I'll be honest, but I think it was a lot of it was frustration in the season I'd had there and uh, payback time for me. Uh, yeah, I run half the length of the pitch and a silly dance and um, cra- crazy uh, crazy events at the end of the game. There was obviously crowds spilling on the pitch at, at Loftus Road and all sort all sorts went off, but. Um, no, we just we, we just got the most important result and, and had got through to um well QPR's first ever semi final of the FA Cup. And then after winning promotion and a season back in the, the top flight, that destiny move to Tottenham came in the summer of nineteen eighty four and was it just a destiny move? Did you always want to go there or was it just a case of right, that's that's the club that's interested in me and, and off I go? No, I always, I always felt I was destined to play for the club and, and, and obviously wanted to, following my dad's footsteps. Um, Peter Shrees was then manager. Um, I remember him calling me calling me up and um, Peter had actually uh, coached me as a, as a young player when I went as a schoolboy. Um, and all he, all he said was, Clive, I think you know where the ground is. That was on the Wednesday evening. And on the Thursday morning, I pitched up at White Hart Lane to sign and was it was seamless I'm, i you know i knew a lot of the lads i'd played with a lot of the the players um at youth against them in youth football and with them in international youth football so um to join the club was was a very very special moment a fantastic 4-1 win at everton on your debut clive where you scoring twice was the perfect start goals were flying but then came a nightmare 18 month spell of injury how difficult was that for you to cope with I, it was terrible. It was uh, it was an awful awful time. I'd uh, I got injured against Sunderland um, at White Hart Lane. Um, I had a number of operations. It didn't really clear up, and it wasn't until I had a third operation that uh, the problem was found. 
Um, but it took, I, I missed a year. I missed a, a whole year out. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a period where, you know, I was, I was, I was very worried that, um, you know, my career might, might not last. It was, it, it got pretty desperate, but I managed to, um, to come back. The best thing was that I played the last 12 games of the season, whereby I just found some form, got my confidence back and was just raring to go, obviously, for, for the start of season 86, 87. And it was a, a difficult relationship apart once you returned from that injury with, with Peter Shreve, but but 86 obviously saw David Pleat take over and that, that season then you just broke just broke scoring records for fun. It was a, a quite amazing season for you. Yeah, Seals is obviously the, the best uh, season of my career in terms of uh, the way it went for me. Um, I think David has to take a lot of credit for the, 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 the system he, he came up with that suited the players perfectly. Um, we were a team that could outscore whoever we played. And, and that was, I think that was the philosophy, um, five-man midfield that was just perfect for, for obviously, for in particular for Glenn Hoddle. Um, who was the best passer of the ball that you know any striker could wish to play in front of, and um, it was it was a team that that flowed, and, and certainly it was a you know it was it was a dream season starting at Villa Park on the opening day, scoring a hat trick. When I read through the book, it reminds me of of the the insecurities that sometimes you had as a player, and it was even evident in that season when when after such a, a great goal scoring start, you were actually fearful of losing your place to a to a youth team player. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of very talented young players coming through at that time, and um, you know Sean Close was a was a young striker in the youth team who was who was obviously doing really well. But I think in the you know you know when you're playing for a club of the magnitude of Spurs that it it could be a a talented youth team player emerging. It could be you know a player that they just go and sign and bring in that that you can be replaced very very quickly. So. Um, that was always a you know a driving factor, and that was why I never wanted to miss a game because you could you couldn't afford to miss a game um, certainly at that time in the way the team were going during that season. Clive David Pleat came up with that famous four five one system that you just alluded to, but it was totally sprung up on the players out of the blue. How did you and the teammates at the time react to that formation? Well, I never forget it. We were we were Friday at the old Chesson training ground, and we we trained and, and adopted the system. And uh, David was in implementing it, saying he this is this he f- I feel this is going to work for us. Uh, I always remember having a meeting after the training session, and uh, he said, "Is any are there any objections?" And one or two players put their hands up and said, "Well, you know, it, we." Gray Clements said uh, used it at Liverpool. It didn't work, and one or two players didn't feel that it was right for us. We went to Oxford the following day. Twenty minutes in, we were two 0 down. David Leeworthy, who'd been a, been a striker at Spurs at the time, had gone to Oxford, had scored. Um, players were looking at the bench, looking at David Pleat. You know, come on, boss, you need to change this. It's not working. And I remember myself and Chris Waddle scoring two all. We went on to win the game four two and never looked back. It just just clicked. And um, you know, David was. David was 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 determined that it was going to work for us, and it certainly did. And we we went on a, an amazing run of results, scoring lots of goals. And um, it, you know the system the system took shape. I can remember a, a couple of games during that that Christmas time during that season when we absolutely battered West Ham on Boxing Day, I think it was, with on a Steve Hodge debut, and then we we battered them just a couple of weeks later in there in what was it then the Milk Cup or the Littlewoods Cup or something like that in a 
We didn't score a hat-trick when we beat them 5-0 the following game. Yeah, the Boxing Day game, I'll never forget it. 11 o'clock kickoff. That was our best performance of the season. We played some, uh, I would say, scintillating football. Uh, we won four. I scored two that day. Um, and that, for me, as I say, was was the uh, was was a standout performance from the team that day. Our football was was brilliant. Um, yeah, a few weeks later, we we played them in the in the League Cup in a replay back at uh, White Hart Lane, having drawn at Upton Park in the first game. And um, I, I remember they they should have been in front when when uh, when we we ourselves Nico Klassen scored, um, and then I went on a and a crazy eight-minute hat-trick, two of the goals made by my cousin, Paul. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed playing against West Ham at that time. Oh, no chance of you playing in a couple of weeks' time, is there? That's for sure. <laughs> oh, I wish I, I, wish I could. <laughs> and and that, that was a quite astonishing season, not just for you, but for the team, as you say, the quality of football. But it was the, the typical Spursy season, wasn't it? We ended up third in the league, runners-up in the FA Cup, and we painfully lost out in a semi-final of the League Cup to to that lot who, who never took the lead until the dying seconds of a, of a replay and and is that something that the current side is, is, is still kind of struggling with that we still have these moments where you, you're almost there and then suddenly it just 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 disappears from you yeah absolutely I, I see a lot of similarities in, in the current team to, to our particular team in the way that the way that they can play, the goals that they can score, um, but but getting a job done, getting obviously over the line to, to win something. We went very close, as you say, on all three fronts. Um, I think this team uh, potentially can can be winners, can be very successful, but um, it's getting it's getting that first trophy won. It's, it's so important at the moment. Definitely want to ask you about that, Clive, and come back to the first team. But just back on that astonishing season for you you know 49 goals was always going to be hard to follow up but after another difficult season for the club followed as David Pleat leaves Venables eventually took over and despite all your previous season success astonishingly the club were allowing your contract to run down was you surprised by that? Yeah a little a little surprised a little disappointed but obviously um, I was I was I was um, with, with freedom of contract at that time I was going to be 28 when my contract finished um, and I just wanted to really see what the options were there for me. At the end, Dave, uh, um, uh, Terry Venables had arrived and I'd obviously worked uh, with Terry on two occasions at Crystal Palace and at QPR. I knew what a you know fantastic coach he was. And for him to be coach at Tottenham was, was something that uh, was, was really appealing. But um, no, uh, I'd always had a, an inkling that I wanted to play abroad. Um, being 28 and out of contract, it was... It was uh, the only real chance, if it was going to happen, for for me to see what what, what was there. And um, the club decided to sell me before my contract ran out. So they got they got obviously a transfer fee, and um, my deal was done for me to go to play in France at Bordeaux. You mentioned Bordeaux, but you also played for Man City, Chelsea, West Ham, and also brief spells at Millwall and finally Carlisle. Seven London clubs in all. Clive, did you ever consider a career as a London cabbie? <laughs> I know, I know London. Um, I, I love London. Even when I was playing, obviously in France, and then up in Manchester, um, I always, I, I, I miss London. I missed, um, you know, the buzz of London. Certainly playing London derbies against London teams and for London teams. So when I did eventually come back to to Chelsea and then um, West Ham, Millwall, it was, uh, yeah, I felt at home and, and always do uh, being in London. I would imagine you must actually probably be the only player 
that's played for Tottenham, Chelsea, West Ham and Arsenal as such. I can't imagine, I can't think that anyone has ever done that before. Well, I think players have, but they the way I, I look at it was that I was contracted. It wasn't that I played for them on loan, which yeah. obviously is far more prevalent these days. But no, I um, I uh, I was I was contracted. These these teams had bought me and sold me, and um, yeah, I'm 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 very proud of um, you know obviously the association I've had with with a lot of London teams. Yeah, and then when I read the book, I I totally forgotten having done some work for Sky. Then you join another London club, but this time in the NFL. The uh, the London Monarchs, which which are obviously uh, the end of my my football career. I never thought I'd have the chance to play another professional sport. Uh, the Monarchs approached me to play to kick for them in NFL Europe, which was which was just the most amazing um, you know amazing chance to to play a different sport. And uh, I was I was I was very skeptical. I've got to say, I was I was I was scared that I was going to set myself up to to look uh, complete fool. But it was um, it was the most amazing experience. It, totally different. Absolutely nothing like playing soccer. But um, it was a great experience to be involved with a group of lads who who were playing this crazy game, and it was a violent game as well. Um, and there I was going on to to try to kick kick field goals and winning points, winning games. And how many games did you play for them? And how long? It was a it was a seven game season. Um, we we weren't particularly good. We didn't have a we weren't particularly successful. Um, I did manage to kick winning field goals against um, against the um, Barcelona Dragons in the Olympic Stadium in in uh, Barcelona, and a, a winning field goal against uh, the Scottish Claymores at Murrayfield. So. Um, Two, two, two big important kicks, which was great. Clive, 2003 then saw you return to Tottenham with your old boss, David Pleat, bringing you back and then a switch into management to Frank Arlison as the director and Jack Santini as the manager. But it all went wrong pretty quickly. What was the role then for you and how did it change under Frank Arlison at that time? Well, okay, I came in, David asked me if I, I'd been doing all my coaching qualifications while working at Sky, um, doing my media work. But working with the uh, with the FA with the England Youth Group, so I was gaining coaching experience. David knew that um, my um, my contractual situation with ITV, who I was working for at the time, he knew was coming to an end. And he just said, "What what do you want to do? Do you do you plan on coaching, managing?" And I said, "Yeah, I do. It's something that I've, I've you know I've really got uh, an interest in doing." And he said, "There might be an opportunity to come back to the club." Would you like to come in and see how you know see how it works? And you know, just given that opportunity, there was no way I was going to pass that up. Um, came in the club. Obviously, there was change. Glenn had lost his job. David was in temporary charge. He knew he was going to wasn't going to continue um, long term. Um, and then the, the the sort of managerial change took place. Shaq Tantini came in. Obviously, I had a, a, a little bit of a rapport with him because I had played in France. He knew that. Um, but as soon as I came in and was coaching, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. It was, you know, that day-to-day involvement. It was absolutely fantastic. I got a real buzz from it and um, was given the opportunity to come on to the coaching staff. Frank Arneson then came in, uh, worked with Frank, Martin Yo, and obviously Martin came in to uh, to take over from Santini. Christy Hewton was, was his assistant and then started working with Martin and Chris. So... I was gaining experience, but but loving every minute of it. 
I've got to ask you, Clive, quick before Jace comes in. With Jack Santini leaving the club, did we ever establish what actually happened there with Jack and his reasons for departing the club? I just think he, he, it was it was something that um, he thought he could he could do. Um, it, it probably wasn't what he thought it was going to be. I don't know why that didn't work out for him. Um, there was a language barrier. There was no doubt about that. Um, and then all of a sudden, obviously, uh, Frank Arneson was was then director of football, um, and they 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 turned to Martin Yole, who you know was a fantastic coach and manager in in his time. So um, sometimes these things unfold, and you never really know what the reasons are. But Jack really wasn't there. Jack wasn't there long enough to uh, to to establish himself. I don't think. Did you think for you, Martin, his presence, did you always believe he he had the capability to be a manager from what you saw in his short time with you before he actually became the manager of the club? Yeah, definitely. Martin knew exactly what, what he wanted, the, the way he wanted the team to play. I think that one of Martin's greatest strengths was his understanding of the English game. Having played at West Brom, Coventry, he, he knew the game. He knew the English game. He, he had a, a great respect for, for Tottenham as a football club and the way they played their football in, and he knew what was needed. Once Martin took over, the, the team obviously improved. And then at the end of that season came the, the infamous Lasagna day, which just kind of ruined the whole season for everyone. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a disastrous end to the season because we'd gone so close. Obviously, we were striving for, for European football, for Champions League football, um, and the team had done well. Um, and it sort of all, all went wrong on that 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 fateful day. Unfortunately, lots of players who were were ill. They they uh, uh, it, w- it was a game that you know, in all honesty, shouldn't have been played because of the number of players that we were that were ill. Some who played ill, which was you know, which was a real shame. It really was. Can I ask you just out of interest, Clive? Because we have a lot of listeners that will just be intrigued to know how that day played out itself. How early into that day, or was it even the night before that? That illness hit the camp. I mean, it was something that had been around for a, a few days because it obviously manifested itself over that weekend. So, um, you know, it, it was it was just a the timing was just a, completely wrong in terms of how the players were, the physical conditions that they were in to, to play, um, and subsequently the result we got at West Ham, which uh, which then you know denied us that chance of finishing in in the right place. Even things like that is just, isn't it? It's when we have these moments, it's always the biggest rival. So it's Chelsea that take our Champions League place. It's we lose at West Ham, so Arsenal go back into Champions League. It, it's never we lose to Ipswich and and you know Leicester City do something to us. It's it's those three clubs that just seem to pile on the agony for us every time. Yeah, it is. It's just amazing that that they, these things unfold and and as you say, against our our biggest rivals. So. Um, yeah, it was it was devastating. And then early the following season, of course, Martin Yole lost his job, and you were there on what was a quite bizarre night. I can remember it well. I think it was Gattafi at White Hart Lane, yep. and the whole ground just seemed to know of his sacking before before Martin did himself. It was something really distasteful, I think, for for most fans. Yeah, it was it was a really. Um, I remember it being a really weird night sitting watching the game and, and the, the whole atmosphere in the stadium seemed to change and it, uh, obviously then you, you just sense that something's going on the, the room the, the, you know the vibe went round that this had happened and 
you just I don't think anybody could quite believe it, especially the timing of it um, and the way it unfolded. So it was, um, you know, it, it 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 was a pretty horrible night at White Hart Lane that night. Do you see Martin Yo as the man that did lay the foundations? Feel like Martin was the man that got Tottenham back on track, got Tottenham into a regular top five finish, which then allowed the club to push on and then move forward. Martin did a fantastic job. Um, yeah, definitely the club moved forward under his stewardship. There's no doubt about that. And obviously, with, with the with the help of of Chrissy and myself, there was, uh, you know, there was there were there was a, a really good, uh, I think, unit there. There was a really good squad of players, and um, yeah, the the club was moving forward. When we talk about bringing in proven winners, which which if there is a managerial change, people want to bring in. Famous names like Mourinho and that, but but we brought in a proven winner then, Juan Di Ramos, who'd won trophies, but his style was just not suited to Tottenham, was it? I think that was the thing. I think um, he was in complete contrast to to Martin. Um, he brought in a philosophy that had been successful in Spain. There was no doubt about that, but it was it was a way that that, that just didn't fit with the players and the squad of players that we had at Spurs. Um, and I, I, I'd always say, and I say it to this day, they, it just seemed that they were a group of players that were that, that were playing frightened. They were scared that if they made mistakes, they they would be out in the cold. Um, it was it was one day's way or no way, and uh, they they quickly understood that. And um, obviously, the, the the results reflected that. And he was quite cold as well, also, wasn't he? With with your role there, that he just had no interest in in your role or the youth team setups and it, and everything was just, you know, just to him, it was first team only and, and nothing else matters and players don't matter or anything. Yeah, it was very black and white in terms of uh, he had his group of players. Um, and if you were in that group, you were in. And if you were out, you, you weren't wanted. Um, he concentrated on that group. He, that was his philosophy. Nothing wrong with that because he, he'd, he'd had success with that, but it didn't work with with, with a group of players, it, and it didn't work at Tottenham. And um, you know, I, I think there was there was the League Cup success, which was fantastic, but then went wrong very quickly. In the talk about trophy-winning managers, it, to today's era, if you like, it seems strange to me that Pochettino is so loved for the style of football. Harry Redknapp was loved for the football. Uh, Martin Yole was loved for the football. We won nothing. And the two most despised managers probably in the time that I can remember, George Graham and Wandy Ramos, both won us a trophy. And yet people say we must win a trophy. It, it's yeah. quite bizarre like that. At top it is. About that. It, isn't that football? <laughs> that's, that's the game. Uh, um, and, and, it, and, and yes, we haven't won what we would hope to over the, over the years under certain managers. Um, but as you rightly say, there, there's there's managers who can get success, um, and and they have a they have a way in which they do that. Just out of interest, Clive, how hard was it for you as a coach to have to work with somebody like one day Ramos? So you mentioned there is very black and white. He only focuses on the first team. For you as a coach in that period, how how difficult was it to to deal with that going on at the club? It wasn't difficult because he, I knew exactly where, what my position was. I knew exactly what what I could do, and that was I I, I could develop my coaching ability, my coaching skills, um, and I, I, obviously uh, Frank Arneson being in overall control, he he was happy for me to do that. So 
um yeah it it, it wasn't a problem it, it, it actually for me it was a, it was a great opportunity for me to to become the coach that I wanted to so um in a bizarre sort of way it worked very well for me because I knew I had a group of players they knew that they were working with me and um that that was that was a, a situation where I was obviously in in a position to develop young talent coming through now whether they were going to break into um one day's group that was going to be very difficult for them but they you know they understood that um and it was it, it was good working with the group at that time Arsene Wenger discuss <laughs> my friend Arsene your friend Arsene <laughs> Uh, listen, it was it. You know, we 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 didn't see eye to eye over the years. Um, <laughs> well, I've, I've never seen eye to eye with anything he says either. <laughs> I, think, I think we were both fiercely competitive. Um, I I I always said I'm I'm a football man. You know, you can't win all the time. You have to you have to be able to accept defeat and deal with it. Unfortunately, he couldn't. That was arson, um, and uh, because of that. I unfortunately had to wait many, many games before we were successful against them. Thankfully, my my reserve teams over the years, um, obviously the Arsenal game, whether it be schoolboys, youth team, reserves, first team, um, you 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 want to win, you got to win. And for me, it was always having had the experience I had with Arsenal, <laughs> I, I'd give everything to win. So. Um, yeah, it got heated at times, but nothing, nothing more than 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 it would in any other circumstances, as far as I was concerned. But um, unfortunately, I always felt Arsenal couldn't particularly deal with it. <laughs> Is that because Carlo also stopped, saved you from punching him? Is that what it was? It was. It was Clive. <laughs> yeah, Carl, Carlo's a great guy. A great guy. <laughs> he, he um, yeah. He, he, he came along at the right time in that tunnel that day, that's for sure. And then there was another thing that I, I didn't realise, just, just quite what a professional haranguer of the fourth official he was in, in those days as well, with uh, the, the likes of Clattenburg and Atkinson feeling the, the rat of your tongue a few times. I was, I was terrible. I was terrible as a player. I was always, <laughs> I was always chatting. And I would be, uh, in the current climate, I would have been the worst person to, to be refereeing because I'd have been in the referee's ear every single second saying that, you know, wait until you see that on VAR. You need to look at that on VAR. Get your mate on VAR to check it. That's a foul. Have a look on VAR. I would be absolutely, I would be, I drive referees mental. I did when I played and that was just chatting to them. But now when you think that you know, I'd be trying to get in their head at every single second and, Oh, VAR for me would have been an absolute godsend. I'd have been, I'd have been crazy. I would have been driving the referees and officials crazy. <laughs> See, I don't remember you as being that bad as a player. And it, I can remember when um, David Ellery's famous book came out and he said Darren Anderson was the worst person that he'd had to referee. And I can remember thinking then, hey, Darren Anderson, surely he's not a bad one when you've got your Roy Keynes and that. But you're quiet types, you see. You must do it in a sneaky way. Just, just chatting, just always asking a question, trying to trying to get into their heads as as referees. When I was playing, the fourth official. When I was obviously uh, when I was obviously in that technical area, and um, the the worst thing was that we knew that the fourth official was mic'd up to referee. So if you're having a word in the fourth official's ear, you know that he can hear you talking to the fourth right, official. I didn't realise that. Okay. Yeah. So 
so it was just you know it was it was tactical it was it, it was the way i was he was trying to trying to get that edge then of course came that brilliant period for spurs under harry with some fantastic football which which eventually led to that wonderful night at Manchester City, which we can remember. But it was a bit of a surprise in the in the the goal scorer and the team lineup that that took you all by by surprise that night. Yeah, but that that was Harry. Harry was uh, Harry was one at times. He, he had a great feel for the players in terms of where they were at leading up to games, what he could see in players in in their preparation, just just their body language and. You know, it was such a massive game at City that night that we there were there were different options that we were looking at in terms of who was starting, who who could come off the bench and impact the game. And um, you know, right up to the the moment that he named the team, we we really wasn't sure which way Harry was going to go. He made that decision with Crouchy, and and obviously he he come up with a with a, with the all important goal. Um, and and you know. You know, there's an art in that. There's a skill in that, and that's what that's what Harry had. He had, you know, that he had he had to make that big call, and he, he got it right. And uh, you know, it was it, it was quite amazing to witness it and be part of it. Harry didn't look too impressed after the game with the with the impromptu ice bucket challenge type of thing that David <laughs> Bentley decided to do on him. Well, he, he ruined the, he ruined a brand new suit of Harry, so he didn't take too kindly <laughs> to it. I don't think, but um, no, there was there was great celebrations that night. He 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 he, uh, he was surprised by it, but yeah, he, he laughed it off as as he would, and he knew he knew you know it was a massive massive result for us that night. I have to ask you, Clive, going back to Harry's appointment at that time with you know it's the well well known famous quote of two points from eight games. How concerned was the club as a whole, Daniel Levy, that Tottenham might get relegated? And did you feel the moment Harry was appointed, we're going to be all right? Yeah, no doubt. I think um, obviously we talked to Ramos and, and and the way the way the team was, the way the group was, um, and Harry came in and just uh, obviously because I was um, he brought Kevin Bond and Joe Jordan with him, but as I was the, uh, the member of staff that was still there. And having worked with Harry, I played for him at, at West Ham um, and had known him for a long time. And he just said to me, Clivey, what, what's going on? He said, why Why is this group of players, this talented group of players in this position? And I, I, I said to him what I've just said to you about Ramos. I thought they were playing scared. Okay, he said, he said, I'll speak to the group, which he did in his own, his own you know, magical way. Uh, and just took, lifted the pressure off of the players who responded. And he said, "Listen, I can only pick eleven. I can't pick you all, but you're all you've all got a chance." And um, just taking that pressure off of them, they started to to perform, and, and we we went on a run and got results. It it wasn't rocket science, but it it was Harry at his best. Was that one of his greatest skills, Clive? His man management of players, making them ten feet tall, always believing in themselves. Is that? Was that Harry's greatest trait at Spurs? Do you think the way he got the best out of players? Yeah, absolutely. And that Harry, Harry was a great believer in in what when he when he thought someone was a player, regardless of what was going on in their life, all around them, off the field, if they if they were if they were was what he considered a player, he 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 would get the best out of them, and they responded to that. You know, an example of that would be, would be Rafa van der Vaart. Rafa was an exceptional footballer. He wasn't the best athlete, and he, he I'm sure he'd, he would admit that. But Harry used him in, in a way, and you look at Rafa's record at the club, whenever whenever we had good results and big results in big games, 
Rafa played his part, whether it was making a goal or scoring a goal. And um, you know, Harry Harry was brilliant in the way that that he could he could use players and um, a great believer in in his belief in in when he when he thought someone was a good player. And you you felt the wrath once of of Harry's tongue, then out in Switzerland at the Young Boys qualification rounds, and and <laughs> Harry wasn't too impressed with your your scouting report on them. No, that's right. No, because um, I went the week before. I saw them lose their league game at home one 0 on a wet. Um, Saturday afternoon, came back to tell Harry, no problems, we're, we'll be all right. If we if we, if we turn up and, and play like we can, we've got no problems. Unfortunately, we turned up, we didn't play well, we were really poor, we started the game really poorly um, and obviously we, we we lost the game and uh, someone someone had to take the blame and that was me because I, I said that we'd, uh, we'd get through. All I, I, I do remember saying to him, don't worry, we'll be all right when we 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 play at home. We still got the the second leg, and and obviously we got a a very good result to uh, to to qualify for the group stages of the Champions League for the first time. And there's so much in those chapters of your time at Spurs as a coach, which is a, a fascinating read. And we won't go into all of those. Let let the the people go and buy the book and read them. But there's some great stories of bus stops with with David Bentley and and Alan Hutton. There's pool chats with Benoit. <laughs> And of course, there's, there's memories of working with some some real greats like Berbatov, Modric, Van der Vaart, Ledley, and, and Gareth. And if 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 you were managing a team today and you could only choose one of those players from from say Berbatov, Luca, Rafa, Ledley, or Bell, which one would you take? Well, that that's a that's a, a brilliant question because um, and a really difficult one. If if you would if I would say one at the top of their game. So if you're talking about absolutely like at their best coming into coming into the team now into our team now, yes, would, yeah. any, any team, you know, doesn't it wouldn't necessarily have to be Tottenham. It could be you know your, your fantasy side, which whichever it is, and you can have one of those players. I would say I love Luka Modric. I thought I thought uh, Berbatov was a magician, but if I had to pick one who would make the difference for me, it would be Gareth Bale. Because he could he could do things that that even those other players couldn't do. He with his pace, with with what he what he has, um, yeah, he 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 would he would Gareth would be the one. When you when you see him, and I did work firsthand, obviously see him on the training field, and you see a Luka Modric turn around and and sort of say to you as a coach, "Did he really just do that?" And you think, <laughs> "Flipping it, Luka, you you know you're a player, and you you know," and he went. No, did he just do that? And you know they couldn't believe some of the things that Bell did, just at the speed that he did it, that you couldn't you couldn't stop. That was the thing. And as we know, as Spurs supporters, we've seen it. We've seen it in in uh, the San Siro, and we saw it at White Hart Lane against Inter Milan. He was unplayable on those two nights. What was the talk in the dressing room after? I mean, the, the taxi from Mike on everyone must have heard it. I mean, he must have heard the songs and the. The players, but when he comes back to the dressing room after a night like that, what, what do people say to him? I mean, do the other players almost look on in awe? Yeah, absolutely. They, they, it was like you know, you know, incredible, unbelievable. But what what we saw, the, the reason I just think sometimes people don't under they underestimate how phenomenal it was because obviously he played again. We we were we were we were down and out in in San Siro in the first game. 
and and obviously he turned that game around with his with his goals. But then to to play against them a few weeks later and and do what he did at White Hart Lane, that was the best night I've experienced at White Hart Lane as a player, coach, manager, supporter. Um, and and obviously there's been some sensational nights, but that Inter Milan night, the, the game at White Hart Lane, when he did what he did, was just unreal, absolutely unbelievable. I have to ask you a question, Clive, on Dimitar Berbatov, because for me, he's probably my favourite player at my time supporting Tottenham, along with David Ginola. When he is the player he is, where it seems like he slows the game down to his pace, do you just can you afford a luxury player like that? I mean, he was wonderful to watch, but what was he like in training? I'm just intrigued. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, and the story I tell in the book, which uh, you know I hope people will, will look at and read, is uh, is just before he left the club, he was a, he was a fantastic professional. He was he I would say he's a, he was a student of the game. He had respect for the club, the history of the club, but he was just the most wonderful footballer. Um, and uh, he he showed me that as when I was reserve team coach and he trained with me before he left to go to Manchester United. He was respectful. He was uh, he, he he was just a he was just a, a magical footballer. Someone one of the best that I've worked with really was. And you're now back at the club, Clive, again, this time as an ambassador. And it's a chance for us fans to show you the respect you deserve for all the work you have done during your spells at the club. Tell us a little about the role you have now got with the football club. Well, I work with a, with a number of uh, the players that I used to play with who, who have uh, the ambassadorial role, match days, corporate events, which uh, which obviously we, we work for the club and thoroughly enjoy match days in particular coming back together with my old teammates and um and and spending some time with it with the supporters watching games supporting the supporting the team as well it's just uh, it's just fantastic i think first and foremost i'm a i'm a spurs supporter and and i have you know i'm privileged to be to be able to 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 work still work for the club so um i i thoroughly enjoy every, every minute of it talking of anfields our record of course at anfield is 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 it's appalling. I think it's what four league wins in in 107 years. But you're one of the only people that's been on a winning side, and, and you got the winner up there. I think at Anfield, didn't you? I did, yeah. In in 86, uh, yeah, we we won. I managed to uh, I managed to toe poke in a winner, which was something something you, you rarely did at Anfield, whoever you played for. But um, you know, obviously, I was I was in the in the form of my life there. We had a we had a really tough game that day there, but. No, I'm I'm really proud to to say that uh, yeah I have scored a a winner at Anfield for Spurs which was which was something I'll never forget. In a difficult period, shall we say, of 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 Tottenham's season, if there's one thing you would say that we need to do, what would it be? Uh, right right this minute, I think. Yeah, uh, just one thing. Um. We know we know we need to do a lot of things to put it right. Well, I think the start would be keep a clean sheet. It could be as simple as that, keeping a clean sheet, mm. and then going from there. Because I, I I always feel we're going to score goals. We're capable of scoring goals. Um, I think if we we had some we had a, a one clean sheet leading to a second, that we, we'll start winning games and and certainly fly up the table because I think it's still very open. I said that that's one of the the uh, the beauties of the Premier League, although we've not had the, the run of results that we're hoping 
three wins and we'll be back in the top four. So, you know, that 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 is what we've got to hope for. Three wins. You, you also mentioned, Clive, the, the, the need, do you think, for the, the squad to win that first trophy. Do you honestly believe you that's the key thing here, that once this squad experienced what it's like to win, then that will allow the club to build that platform for future success. Do you see that being really key, that, that first trophy? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just just uh, everything that, that that entails for the for the football club, for the players, um, whether it be young players emerging and, and breaking into the first team, senior players who, who haven't done it while, well, well, you know, obviously being, being Spurs players. Uh, yeah, winning that first trophy... Um, is is absolutely vital for for the progression and the next step of the football club. Agree. Fantastic. Well, Clive, I can't thank you enough for this wonderful hour. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Clive, we just want to thank you again for coming on the show. Where can Spurs supporters buy this book? Yeah, the book is published by uh, Decourt Batan and you can get it on Amazon. So, um, yeah. I hope you enjoy it. If you purchase it, I'm, I'm sure there's uh, there's stories there that you might not have know about, but hopefully uh, it's an enjoyable read. Absolutely enjoyable read. And I'd just like to say, Clive, thanks for those memories from that. Not just that one season, but that's the one season you'll always be remembered for. I probably saw about 42 of the, the 49 goals, including one at Cambridge in the in the Milk Cup or Littlewoods Cup or whatever it was. But it was just at a an amazing season. The whole football the club played that year, but but your part of that season and the records is, is just, nobody's got close to doing it since, and I'm, I'm not so sure anyone will do 49 ever again. Well, I, I always say I hope not, but if anybody <laughs> does, they uh, I'll be the first to shake their hand. Fantastic. Well, listen, Clive, we can't thank you enough, guys. I hope you've enjoyed what we think has been a wonderful show. Clive, thank you again. Come on, you Spurs. My benchmark is always the 26th of December which is Boxing Day in England, which is a, always a big sports day in England. Yeah. Um, I had 26 goals that season. So 26 on the 26th. Um, and Harry is just off the pace at the moment. So I'm quite happy about that. I've got to be honest, because I, I want to I keep my well, record. But um, no, he, he, I did think he was going to do it last season. I really did. He finished with 41 and was very close. Two seasons ago, I think... Um, he was being beaten by Lukaku in the goal-scoring chance, but he scored a hat-trick on the final day. That's right. So yeah. you can't ever write off someone like Harry Kane. No, no. And uh, as I say, if he does it, he deserves to do it. Um, I think if you asked him now, he'd swap all those goals for an FA Cup winner's medal, a Premier League medal, Something. Champions League medal. Yeah, there's, you know, there, there, there comes a time in your career. He's doing his job and he's done it brilliantly for... A number of years now and he will continue to score goals for Tottenham. For the longest time he was unable to, to shake off title oh he's only going to do it for one season but when you saw him when he was a young man a young player before he became a global sensation in football was he always that good was he always a standout player? No no and, I, and I've, I've gone on record as saying that I hold my hand up but what he did and what he's always done and you even see it today he can be very quiet in games but when that ball drops in the 18-yard box, when it falls to someone, he's there. And he has, again, what he's done to his great credit is he's honed his skills, his finishing mm. ability. He's developed himself physically, mentally, and he will score. He will score your goals. He'll always score goals because he, ha he has that. And did we see that when he was younger? Probably not. It didn't jump out. But I say it didn't jump out 
he always scored goals. Youth team game, 2-0, they go and play away the next week. Um, how, how was the game? Yeah, we played all right, we lost 3-2. Who scored the goals? Oh, Harry Kane got one. Okay, come back the following week, and as a coach, you would watch a youth team play. They're, uh, it's nil-nil, all of a sudden the ball drops in the box, bang, who scores? He hasn't had a kick, Harry Kane. So he had that, he had that knack, he had that mm. ability. He developed himself over that period of time, three or four years in his development, went on loan, he experienced some difficult times, some tough times, but always had that mentality to, to want to score and belief that he was going to do it. And he's done fantastically well and he'll carry on doing that for Tottenham. And there's a similar career path of you in that he was also let go as a youngster by Arsenal, wasn't he? Yes, that's so, right. Yes, yeah. Not quite. Yeah. A, well, he was a very much a youngster. He was, he was, a, he was a young, very young player, yes. Schoolboy. Schoolboy yeah. times. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.